The other night I was praying with my young daughter and she looked at me and she asked me, she said, Daddy, how does Jesus save us? And specifically she said, how does Jesus save us by dying on the cross? And that's a question I think a lot of Christians have asked. She knows at her young age that dying is not a good thing and especially dying a violent death on a cross. How in the world does that connect to the salvation of all of us? And in theology, we call this the doctrine of the atonement. And it looks at the work of Jesus to bring salvation. But when we read the scriptures, the scriptures don't give us a detailed explanation of the mechanics or the how of the atonement. It's sort of like if you go and see a movie, you don't hear the director whispering in your ear throughout the picture how and why he did each particular scene. You just get the reality. You don't get the mechanics behind it. And yet that question of how does Jesus save us matters a great deal for Christians. We don't want to believe something that is nonsensical. We don't want to believe something without any logic or reason behind it. And so in the study of atonement, what we have are several different models or images that attempt to give some explanation for how Jesus saves us. It's important to note that these are not theories in a scientific sense. They don't give us a complete, rational picture of exactly how each part works. They're models. And when I was a little boy, I used to play with model airplanes and I would have model, model fighter jets that I would glue together. And I would never imagine that I could climb into that model fighter jet and fly it around the yard. But at the same time, the model was meant to point to a reality that was bigger than itself. And in the same way, models of atonement work something like that. What I want to do today is to look at four biblical images or models of atonement and say just a few things about how Jesus saves us. The first model has to do specifically with who Jesus is. He's spoken of in the New Testament as the last Adam or the second Adam, the, the true Adam. He's also spoken of as one who is reliving the story of Israel, taking the mission and the ministry of Israel upon himself. Sometimes this is talked about as the idea of recapitulation, that Jesus is reliving the human story on our behalf. And part of the reason that he's able to do that has to do with who he is. He is the true image of the invisible God. The church father Irenaeus argued that Adam was made in the image of the incarnate Christ, even though Jesus was yet to have been born at that point. And so Jesus is the true head of the entire human family, the deepest root of our expanding family tree. In the scriptures, the head is able to act on behalf of the whole. And so this image of the atonement pictures Jesus as the true Adam or the true Israel who acts on behalf of the entire human family, doing faithfully and successfully what we have failed to do for ourselves. You might think of this as the foundation of atonement doctrine because it's rooted in who precisely Jesus is. Another image of the atonement is this idea that Jesus has taken the judgment or the penalty for human sin upon himself. One of the objections that's often raised here is, well, how can an innocent person be punished 
on behalf of the guilty. How could that ever be just? But one of the things we've said already, remember, is that Jesus is the true Adam, the true Israel. And in the scriptures, the head can act on behalf of the whole. The idea is that the entire human race is bound up with Jesus. And so that what is true for him can be true for us if we identify with him in faith and in baptism. That the penalty that the human race deserved has exhausted itself on Jesus. We might think of this as the center or the heart of the atonement, that Jesus takes the penalty that we deserved. Another image of the atonement, a third image, is the idea that Jesus is victorious, that he wins the victory or secures the triumph over forces of evil. We might think of this as the head, the crowned head of the atonement, that Jesus defeats the forces of darkness and the forces of evil through his sacrificial death. One of the things that the scriptures teach is that Satan no longer has a right to accuse the saints, that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and that victory emerges not just alongside of Jesus' sacrificial death, but precisely because of it, that he is Christ the victor. One last image of atonement is that Jesus set, for, set forth the perfect example for us of what it looks like to live a life of holy love. If we talked about his victory as the crowned head of this sort of mosaic image, we could talk about his example as this beckoning hand, waving us to live and love as he did. But we're empowered to do that only by virtue of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit working inside us to make us more like Jesus. Each of these four images gives us a glimpse of how Jesus saves us. No, no one of them can be used to the exclusion of the others, but each one is crucial as we worship and turn to God with grateful thanksgiving for what he's done in saving us. Mm -hmm.